questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Are we living in a prison called Earth? Controlled and orchestrated by a ruling elite under a plan to extinguish human life for profit? According to the intelligence gathering website Deagle.com, the population forecast of the United States from 327 million will go to 100 million in 2025. By the year 2030, the human population could be reduced to only 500 million. We can fight back if we unite before it's too late. Greetings, I'm your host, Mel Fabregas. And if you're new to the Veritas family, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, just click on the subscribe button. And don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, and much more. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And to tell us more, tonight's special guest is Augie Nust. Augie was born on a farm in Norway. While still a teenager, he had learned hypnosis from a magician in Europe. After graduation from agricultural college, he operated the family farm for several years. He spent one year in mandatory military service, driving a battle tank in his country of birth. By the age of 25, he had learned several languages, studied science including metaphysics and different forms and theories of spirituality. At the age of 25, he left Norway to go to the USA and attended flight school at Emory School of Aviation in Greeley, Colorado. After one year, he graduated from flight school where he obtained several pilot licenses, certificates, and ratings. In 1975, he started a flight school, but one day he realized Life had more to offer and began his quest for the meaning of life. He is an author, speaker, radio and TV host, and much more. And his journey goes on. We have a more comprehensive bio on our website, where his website is linked to. And from Tucson, Arizona, just a few blocks away from me, I'd like to introduce Augie Nust. Hello, Augie, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Well, hello, hello there. I'm doing wonderful, especially now when I'm doing on your show here. Yes, and who would have thought that you are here in Tucson and haven't heard of you until recently? How is that possible? I don't know. It's uh, probably one of those things, you know. Uh, I, uh, I've been in Tucson since uh, 1999, and I did uh, hosted and produced two TV shows in Tucson for six years. But 99 to 2005, so you may have missed that if you got here after that time. No, actually, I got here before. I got here December 31st, 1996. So you probably wow. know Jim Nichols and all those people. Oh, absolutely. We do monthly meetings with him. Yes, yes, yes. But anyway, it caught my eye a few weeks ago. I saw a post on Facebook that somebody sent me of a DVD titled Aliens and Agenda 21. And the reason why it caught my eye was because lately I've been thinking, when I look up at the sky, Augie, and I see those trails that most people don't even look up or don't believe that's happening, I think to myself, what is happening here? Is somebody terraforming our planet again? Because at one point it was terraformed again, but in order to introduce another species that perhaps doesn't need oxygen? 
Is this too far-fetched to even think about? No, I am sorry to say I don't think it's too far-fetched at all. It's uh, If you start looking at the facts on that, uh, yeah, there are some people behind the curtain here on this globe, um, you know, we call Earth here, that pulling the strings and make things happen. But the question is, who is telling them what to do? That may be the real question behind it all. Is there an alien influence that is telling these people that think they own planet Earth what to do? And I think I have some answers to that because I, um, okay, let's, let's go there right now. Mel. Well, let's go in chronological order. Yeah. Let's say um, I have somebody in Europe that works in a Northern European uh, government, and he says that there is a, um, an immortality program that has been offered to quite a few of the higher-ranking government officials in Europe, including uh, Markel and some of the others that is more or less in charge of the European Union. And they are told, do as we tell you, and you will have immortality. Now, there is two different programs to that immortality. One of them is that they have the technology to download, I, I am told, everything that is in your brain to a computer that will be placed in an Android, and you will then live on. You will have the memories and the, uh, I don't know about the feelings, but the memories and the experience of yourself now. Well, hold a second, Augie. Let me just interject for a minute. I've heard this theory before, but yeah. if I take your memories or your consciousness, let's say, let's pretend I'm just plugging some cables in your brain and download them to a computer, and let's that potentially we get that. So in a way... We put you in suspended animation in this computer until we are able to upload it to an AI or to a robot. But that's not you. That's a copy of your memories. You are dead in the future. Absolutely. And that's where I think they don't quite get it. Because just because you got all the memories downloaded into a computer chip does not make you alive. Because life, that is more than just existence. And you may have the memories and all the possible capabilities uh, physically, but uh, I'm not so sure that the consciousness would follow into the computer chip. I mean, if you told me that you are Walt Disney and supposedly he's uh, currently in a cryogenic storage facility waiting for it to be revived when the technology arises in the future, then I might, might understand that that is the Disney who died that perhaps now with... Are we going to talk about the telomeres and telomeras, all those things that could be injected into him and perhaps reverse the aging process? I can see how that could be the Walt Disney or the Augie Nust. But otherwise, again, you are a facsimile without a soul. Yeah. I'm glad you went there with a the soul because that, I think, is the one thing that's going to be missing if you do it in the computer chip. So the Angela Merkels of the world who are believing this is this a carrot in front of her, or is this actually true, a true promise that may come to fruition? Well, uh, 
this friend of mine in that government over in Europe, he said that he had the offer and he turned it down. So he, they didn't explain to him how they're going to do it. I'm sure that they probably would get more into that if he accepted. But uh, for, uh, you know, the immortality, that can also be done physically because, hey, you got to remember in 2009, um, three doctors got the Nobel Prize for discovering an enzyme that reverses the aging process. And nobody seems to know about it. This is very possible. I found the guy in China that died from an accident at the age of 256. Lin Xing uh, Yuan, and uh, the government verifies his age. And I, by the way, I uh, I write about that in my book, and I'm doing that program, and it seems to work for me. Two hundred and fifty-six years, and he died of an accident. Yeah. Now the question is, how could we verify? Because the government might make a mistake and say, "Well, this person lived in that village in the early 1900s, and how can we? We didn't have any records back then." How can we truly verify that the person is or was that old? Well, there is, there is uh, I researched the guy quite a bit and I found out first of all what he did and what he ate and so on. But New York Times, they went uh, there after that he died. They went there and they interviewed his family and they showed the, some government document. They were uh, one letter that uh, gratulated him on his 200th birthday and also another letter that gratulated him on his 250th birthday from the government and uh, there were other things too that verified his age so i believe that is true especially when i start researching what it shows up in this um, uh, document that was filed with the nobel committee i realized this is real this can be done and looking at myself in the mirror, I seemed like, uh, hey, <laughs> three, four, five, six years ago, I'm starting to look pretty rough, you know, so I, I don't feel that way anymore. So something is happening. Yeah, I want to leave for later what you're doing to shorten or, or actually yeah. extend, rather, the lifespan. But yeah. somebody like this Chinese man, you would think that governments around the world, if not the Chinese government, would be all over him. He would have been... <laughs> for lack of a better word, kidnap, I mean, kidnap or abducted like an alien would do to a human being to study this individual, to see how they could do this. Yeah, and uh, of course he was a, you know, a martial arts instructor for the army and for as long as anybody had known. And he also was an herbalist and I, uh, I found out what he did and stuff, so I'm doing the same thing. You know, he died, I think it was back in the 40s, and that's when New York Times went over there and did this interview with the, because they found out about it and they went there and did this, uh, this interview with family and people in the village and so on. And uh, probably was very little research, medical research in China at the time that could, uh, you know, find out anything about, especially about genetics and things with him. But it's obvious that... Uh, you know, science know why we get old and die. It's because of the shortening of the telomeres at the end of the chromosomes yep. inside the cells. If we take this telomerase, which you just mentioned, uh, you're ahead on that one, you know about it. If you have enough of that in the body, then the um, telomeres will not shorten so that the cells will be able to replicate themselves. 
and we are not going to get stuck with old cells in the body that makes us old and eventually die from. So uh, this is what I, you know, I, I explain very well how to do this in the book and that for an, another time probably. Well, let's, let's stick around with this for a moment. I remember years ago I interviewed a, a lady from Australia who talks about this in life extension and what to do and perhaps if, as you mentioned in, in your DVD and your book, you can actually talk to yourself and your uh, radio host partner, uh, Serafin, uh, who had a very tough life. She had a, a lot of conditions, health conditions. And by thinking, by thinking that she was cured and she was, she was healed, she was able to get back to normal. She lost weight with her diet. And this is something that this researcher told me years ago. And she recommended a movie called The Man from Earth. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. No. Man from Earth. He was a college professor who did not age. And of course, it's fiction. But every 10, 15 years, he would have to leave the college because people start suspecting, like, how come we're aging and you're not? And he would have to leave. And he did it for hundreds of years. And it's, 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 it's the story of who he was. Very interesting one. But yeah. telomerase, is this something that anybody with, obviously, it's expensive. Anybody can actually get this? Um, yes, uh, yes and no. There is a pharmaceutical that says to be able to help the body produce telomerase. Uh, this particular pharmaceutical is called TA65. Now, it's, uh, it's a little expensive. It'll probably set you back about $400 a month to do that. I'm not doing that. I'm doing what the guy in China did. And... Uh, <laughs> It's built with herbals, and uh, there are some herbals that will uh, will help you do this. One of them is it's called uh, the uh, the immortality herb in China. That's uh, and also there are not just the herbals. There's also a mindset, because uh, here's another here's another forty second story of a guy that came over from China on an exchange program. He was a university professor to New York. And in the mid-1950s, he was there, and he went out with some colleagues, got uh, to do, you know, have dinner, and got food poisoning and died. Well, then he ended up at the morgue, and they got started going through his papers, and they uh, called the ambassador and said, something's wrong here, because this guy seems to be about 152 years old. Uh, that can't be right. And the ambassador told them, yes, it is. And they say, how? So the ambassador told him, first of all, he uh, only eat Chinese herbs and berries. And also he knew he could never die. And that last portion of it is extremely important because we live in a mind-created universe. What is in our mind is what we will have in our physical existence. So that's why I am totally convinced that I am reversing the aging process as well as I'm taking the you know the the four or five different herbals that I know can do this so I am I'm on board with myself since I'm on the subject it meant to me by the way as a researcher into health and into the mysteries of the world if I had to put one topic on top of the list will be what we're talking about live extension because I truly believe that those people who created the megalithic structures around the world, 
those blueprints that we can't find right now, and perhaps we don't even know where they went, something tells me they conquered disease, they conquered life extension. And of course, this is my biggest and number one question. But just let me just tell everybody that nothing that we're talking about here should be construed as medical advice. I just want to make that FDA disclosure because, as you know, we can get in trouble. So, yep. people, whatever we're talking about here is just us talking. But recently, because I'm on this quest of life extension too, I found that um, if you want to slow the aging process, beta alanine, and you may have heard about this, and histidine or histidine makes carnosine. This sounds boring, but I found something very inexpensive and have the name right here. I'm going to share it with you. It's L-carnosine or carnosine, 500 milligrams of that. And it apparently some people are raving about this. Have you heard about this? I know of it. I've never really studied it, but I have heard of it. I'm taking it. I'll let you guys know in one year if I feel a little bit younger. But on a different story, why do we think of Agenda 21 and aliens? Before we uh, leave that subject, or, okay. you know, you're not really old enough to worry about this, but I'm older than some of the hills around here, and that's why I <laughs> dove into this. If you don't mind my asking, how old are you? Uh, according to my mom, I'm 73 years old. Okay, okay. Yeah, you're still young. Yeah. Okay. So, you want to jump into seconds. Agenda 21, and why you re- why do you link it with aliens? Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about the alien issue first, because it is uh, it is one of those things that I have a saying, and is that if the uh, issue of UFOs or extraterrestrial vehicles and the extraterrestrial coming here has been taken into a court of law and adjudicated before a judge and a jury, they would have been a hanging a long time ago. There is so much evidence for it out there, and it is just not looked at very much because, and uh, actually, disclosure has happened. It is just that nobody talked about it. Um, Premier uh, Medvedev in Moscow, right after a TV interview, the cameras were still on. He was standing there talking to the reporters, and he said that, yes, we, when we take office, we get a dossier of papers explaining the alien issue and the UFOs, but we cannot talk about it because we are afraid of there will be panic. He said that right on camera, and that went live in Russia. And that, of course, now is also on the Internet. You can find it there. And then again, we have one of the leading engineers with Marshall Space Flight Center in Houston, Alabama. Uh, I believe the guy's name was Bloomrich, Joseph Bloomrich, I think it was. Uh, He said after 18 months of study into the UFO and the extraterrestrial issue, he made a statement. And I I wrote this down so I wouldn't uh, do it wrong to you. The moon and earth are and have been visited on a regular basis by extraterrestrial beings. And that is powerful coming from one of the leading engineers with NASA. And uh, if you really want to find out where their base is, then go ahead right to NASA and get your hands on a document called Chronological Catalog 
of lunar events. Now, you mentioned that on DVD and caught up my attention. Obviously, yeah. you have it. What can people expect if they request it? Uh, go to the NASA, I, I believe it is, nasa.gov website. And uh, you put in the, um, there's a search bar there. You can put that in and it'll come up and you can attach that. And then there's another uh, function on the website where you can actually request things under the Freedom of Information Act. Uh, I had that one for God knows 20, 30 years because I did get it under the Freedom of Information Act way back then. I don't even know where it is right now, but uh, I got it somewhere. This one explain all the activities on the moon. Uh, lights moving around inside craters. And this, the records of all this goes back almost 300 years to the time when they invented the telescope. In fact, Haley, the astronomer Haley, he reported that he saw large dark shadows moving around within a crater. Also, lights moving around within a crater. And you know who Haley was, you know, Haley's comet, he discovered course, that yeah. and it's hard to get any more credibility than him. Yeah. And then uh, there is, uh, I think, did I send you, Mel, did I send you picture of a couple of pyramids up there? I don't believe I you did. Yeah, I think I did. Um, there are several NASA print on my uh, website and in the picture gallery there on the uh, I believe it's the first page even. I got one of the pyramids and then there's other places in there. I got two pyramids sitting next to each other and they're clear as a bell. You could not even argue that. And then there is a third picture that I've had for probably 30 years that I got from NASA myself and that is uh, three pyramids in a row in the polar, North Polar region. And uh, on the first page on my, uh, on my website there, on the, the in the picture gallery you can see a two mile long cigar shaped ship floating across the surface of the moon throwing a shadow on the ground and by the way folks if you want to follow what augie's saying just go to his website which is linked at ours but let me just give it to you augie spelled a-a-g-e and then hyphen then nost n-o-s-t dot com and then just yeah. go to photo album and then stop the audio if you'd like and find you can't miss it. It's a cigar-shaped white object standing on top of the moon and then come back and, and replay. But I'm looking here. Plate 99, NASA Apollo 16, Hasselblad photo of cigar-shaped aerial object flying over the lunar surface, picture number 16-19238. So obviously yeah. there's a formal govern, governmental record on this object. Do you know? Did you ever inquire and ask well, what this is? The thing is that I know this one is real because probably about 25 years ago, I wrote to NASA and I got that particular print. So I have it in my possession somewhere. So I got that one myself. So I know it's real. It's just that, you know, a lot of people who listen to us, including me, Augie, we're very skeptical about NASA and what they provide to us. But sometimes oh. you see videos such as, I mean, pictures like this, and then uh, I forgot the name of the lady. I took a dowsing course here in Tucson. You may even know her. And she was at home and she showed me this video from NASA that she got by mistake. And NASA actually called her and said, can you please return that to us? That was not supposed to be sent to you. And uh, I guess she kept it, but she gave me a <laughs> copy. And 
let's see if I can share it with the people. I don't want to get in trouble with NASA. I don't know if, it, if it's a government entity. If I share it, would that be a copyright infringement? I just don't want to get in trouble. But sometimes you get some gems also. Yeah. They do must make mistakes, and I, I sure hope she told them to go pound sand because this one is important. <laughs> Indeed. What other pictures from the photo album? You have hundreds of pictures here. Any other ones that you want to discuss? Well, there is uh, there's 4,900 pictures altogether, and uh, some of them, uh, both Mars and maybe I have uh, artifacts. There's buildings on the moon. There's hangars on the moon. I have uh, one NASA print that I got from NASA myself that show huge either water tanks or fuel tanks or something. They look just like, you know, regular oil, uh, oil tanks here. They go straight up, perfectly round, straight out of the ground, and a slightly curved up uh, roof on the, uh, on the tank. There are about several of them, three or four of them in, the, in that area. And uh, besides that, there's also a um, video that was uh, also um, uh, from the story behind it. It was stolen from NASA, and that shows a humanoid walking on the surface. And I think I sent you that one also. And uh, that is quite uh, quite something. But I agree with you. Uh, NASA do a lot of fake pictures. Let me ask you this because, because I think there, there is some. Uh, huh, Probably stories behind that because they um, they doctor a lot of things up and you can see uh, some pictures show the United States a lot bigger on the globe. Well, I was going to say, especially pictures of the Earth. Every yeah. decade they show up with a picture and it's almost like uh, the United States uh, forgot to be on a diet because it's bigger and then Africa looks smaller. It's different colors. The colors I can understand could be the the position of the sun, if you will, but size yeah. of the Earth... I mean, size of the continents, and some people have said that they are actually Photoshop pictures. They're, they're a bunch of pictures put together to look in, but I don't want to get into that very controversial topic that I discuss every so often. Let me jump into something else here for a moment from the pictures. I'm looking at some, uh, how do you pronounce it, Haunabu? The, the Haunabu, uh, one, two, three, and four. Four, yeah. right, from Germany. Obviously, mm -hmm. they've... Third Reich was working on very exotic technology. Before we talk about what I think, whenever we see flying saucers, I get this idea that perhaps that technology continued and they want us to believe that those are aliens when in fact it could be us. What's yeah. your take on that? Well, um, I date back a while, you know, before I left Europe. I was 25 years old when I left. And when I was a little kid, I was probably around, I don't know, eight or 10 or something like that. I saw actually articles in local newspapers over there. They were speaking about the flying discs that the Germans had made during the war. And I remember reading some of those, not necessarily exactly the wording of it, but they were speaking about these discs. And of course, later on, I, mean, uh, I, I interviewed Wendell Stevens here in Tucson several sure. times, and uh, we talking with him, became good friends. He was probably the one in the world that had most knowledge about the German flying discs. And uh, these, uh, the Hanebu one was very unstable. It kept crashing on it, so they couldn't find any pilots that dared to fly it anymore. So they scrapped that one, and then they created the Hanebu two. And I had, on a previous computer, I had testing results from the Hanebu two German Nazi flying disc it flew from the surface to 60,000 feet in three minutes. 
straight up against gravity. Now, that's something to write home about. No and, airplane can do that. And that's that. number two. Number yeah. four was the last that was incarnation. The last two that they built, and uh, we believe that it is two. Uh, one of them was sent off to Mars, and uh, they lost contact with it, and uh, we believe that they never heard from them. And I can understand why, because on the four, the diaglocke um, or the bell, which was the uh, the driving engine in it. Uh, yeah, explain what the clock is, because a lot of people have heard that term. Yeah, that was um, an anti-gravity and free energy motor that used red mercury in it for the uh, for the most part of it, and until the Honda before when they put radioactive material in it, which got they got a lot more power out of it. They could travel something like 40,000 miles an hour, according to some writings, German writings. And uh, uh, actually what it says, it's, uh, yeah, 30, uh, I did say 40,000 miles an hour. That's not right. It was 40,000 kilometers an hour. So that's uh, probably a little less than 30,000 miles an hour. And uh, the Hanabu 4, that was uh, 120 meters or 393 feet across. But that's still, I mean, 25, almost 25,000 miles per hour. That's incredible. Did they, yes. What did they do to protect the surface of the, of the uh, disc? Did it have some kind of plasma around it? Uh, they had a new alloy in metal, but because they put the radioactive material in, in, the, in the, the bell uh, instead of the red mercury, the they this came out of german writings that it uh, the metal became much more brittle a lot sooner so there's many that think that the honey before either didn't quite make it to mars or when it made it there then uh, it uh, for some reason couldn't you know they at least they lost contact with it so if hitler had these this and who knows what i mean i i i believe when they went to Pinamunda after the world was over and they found all these things, why didn't Hitler win the war if they had more advanced? I mean, they had turbines, they had engines that we didn't even come close to, and we only found out after the war and when Operation, Operation Paperclip and all those scientists and engineers came here and they continued their research. But why didn't Hitler win the war if they had all this technology? Well, I personally think that Hitler he got sabotaged because um, the high-ranking officers within the, uh, the, the Black Sun organization and the uh, secret societies over, they knew that they had technologies that would outperform anything else in the air at the time. And they could have won the war if they used them en masse. But um, there was only used one time the Hanabu 2s, and that was uh, in the late part of, I believe, uh, 1944. There was a bombing raid that came from England over Germany. There was 800 Allied bombers, and uh, the Hanabu 2s, they came up behind them, and they used a weapon that called a Pristron tube. A klystron tube, I guess, uh, is probably closer to the uh, pronunciation. What it does is kind of like directional 
EM pulse gun. So they aim this at the aircraft and it shut down the electronics in the aircraft from the back. So the one in the back that just fell out of the sky or go, you know had to land and the others did not know because their radios didn't work. So they just kept eating up and they lost 300 or so bombers in one night. And that's when they decided that there's something going on here. We're going to lose the war and we, um, we got to do the invasion in Normandy. And that's when they put all that together and it was rushed into place and botched really bad because a lot of people died that didn't have to. And they said it interesting that shortly after the war, but uh, two, three years after 1947, we get Roswell. Yeah. A, a flying disc crashes there. We, we're told there were aliens there. Then the story changes to weather balloons and, and uh, crash test dummies and all those things. Now, we don't hear about this until 1978 from Stanford Friedman, but could it be that it was one of these Operation Paperclip scientists that had this flying disc flying around? It fell, and the best, the possible deniability story would have been the United States capture a alien disc to make the enemies fear that we had this technology when, in fact, it was German? Yeah, I know that story, too. But the, the thing about it is that there were right, excuse me, there were writings on the craft, and it was uh, semi-hieroglyphical writing on it. And uh, I, um, some of the um, artifacts, uh, you know, Art Bell had supposedly one of those that was sent to him, They you know, in his collection of uh, art parts. He had a medal that was tested and it was layered with uh, different alloys to become one piece. And uh, there really wasn't any way that science today could do that. So I believe there was at least an advanced futuristic science, if not alien. Because also the people that came there the first day saw, no, the, these, these guys, they were short, they were gray, they were not green at all. He said, you know, so uh, I think there was something there that was, uh, that is my belief anyway, that there was something of a futuristic or possibly alien origin. Uh, fast forward to March of 1997, three months or two and a half months after I came to Tucson. You know what I'm talking about here. Dr. Linky ties images of the um, Phoenix lights. Oh. You yeah. think that that there was neither a UFO nor a military craft. You think it's something else. Tell us. Well... I'm open to anything on that, but I believe that there could very well have been neither one could not necessarily be a craft because I know that uh, the dark side of government, they have been experimenting with uh, holograms for a long time. And uh, we know that holograms can work at night. And uh, I think it just might have been either a test or some display of a holographic image that was sent over Phoenix. And it went on south towards Tucson, and then yeah. it disappeared. So, But if it's it, a hologram, for example, I, I've heard of people who say that they could actually open a newspaper 
and it would cover the sky. I mean, that's okay. You can have a hologram like that. But it was a, if anybody has been in Arizona, especially during the spring or, or winter, the sky, especially at that time, the sky is just lit, lit with stars. Yeah. And some people were saying, I could just see black, black patches as this thing was hovering above us. If it's a hologram, wouldn't the holo- would the hologram cover the sky? It could very well be. It, it could. Because there's always things in the atmosphere that could serve as a medium for the uh, holographic image to be transmitted into. Now, you're opening another door now, because I've heard people say the following, too. Chemtrails. Yes, we know strontium, barium, aluminum, all those things. Yeah. But it obviously charges the atmosphere. It has particles. And in order, if you've seen some of these concerts lately where they have a famous person who died and they have a hologram that looks almost physical in front of you, could it be that they're charging the atmosphere to the point that when they project the holograms, we're going to be able to see them better because the sky is full of these particles that the, the planes are spraying? Yeah, and for those that is wondering about that, Google Operation Blue Beam. Yes, that's exactly what I'm referring to. Yeah, because that is a government, well, government, I don't know, it's a black project anyway, where um, they are, a part of the black project is set up so that they could create a fake alien invasion with a sky full of flying discs and of course a few you know real ones in between here and there to shoot at things on the ground to create fear so we're supposed to be scared into some type of one world government as a defense against the aliens and uh, this is one of the things that it is one of their programs and if the occasion or the opportunity come it could be during some form of disclosure let's say that a, a, a large alien spacecraft crashes in uh, outside of new york they can't discover they can't take it away it's sitting there and, and you they can't deny it that would be the time for them to bring out blue beam and uh, scare the you-know-what out of people so they will all unite behind one world government because they can say, well, we, first of all, if we lose the war, we can negotiate something, and there's all kinds of different theories on that one. You know, Dr. Carol Rossin and the words that she told during the Disclosure Project in 2001 May uh, regarding Werner von Braun, Dr. Werner von Braun, when he said the first card's going to be the communist, the communist yep. boogeyman. Then we're going to get the terrorist yep. boogeyman. Then it's going to be a celestial object approaching, which is now everybody talks about Nibiru and meteors and, and, and so on. But then the last card, and don't believe it, that's allegedly what he said, will be the alien invasion. Yep. This would be the culmination of Project Bluebeam, in my opinion, if they were to use this. Absolutely, you're exactly right, because that's the only way they can do it. Because I think that um, uh, Angela Merkel and uh, who was ever in the White House at the time, I don't think they're well enough connected to order thousands of aliens to come and fly their ships over. I don't think they're capable. I think they're going to do it themselves to scare us into compliance. Well, think about it, folks. 
if one day you wake up in the morning and you live in a big city like New York or Los Angeles, and you see <laughs> ships there almost like uh, District 9, that movie, or Independence Day, most people, just like they did in the 1930s, or do you think that people are more awake now? In the 1930s, people who turn on the radio did not hear Orson Welles saying, this is just, I don't remember the exact words he said, but he just said he was reading from a science fiction book, but many people committed suicide at the time. Do you think that. that if they see that now, that many people would just believe it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The people in the box, they would believe it. I mean, they would swallow a hook, line, and sinker. You wouldn't. I wouldn't. No. But then again, if you and I came out and said to the masses, hey, don't believe that. That's just a hologram. It's a, it's a projection. It's in order. They're trying, the elites, they're trying to unite the world into one, and this is going to be an eternal war. Because imagine, if right now we have terrorism, right? Terrorists don't have a uniform. And we can perpetuate this war, but we can only take this so far on this planet Earth. But if we all of a sudden see a ship from allegedly one constellation, another one from another galaxy here, we can tell the people, we have billions of possible enemies. We need to unite the world, create the biggest military ever found. And here we have martial law for the entire planet, the best control money can buy. Boy, that's scary thoughts, isn't it? Do you think that theoretically that could happen? Well, it's part of their plan. That, uh, and they have many plans, and this is just one of them. See, these people, they're, they're not stupid. They know that uh, if one plan don't work, then they're going to use another one. It's just like, uh, like Napoleon said, you know, we fight like we're going to win, but we plan as we're going to lose. So they say, well, we're going we're gonna to try the AIDS virus to get rid of people, uh, you know, but that didn't work. And then we're going to try the SAR virus. Well, that didn't work. And they're going to keep trying stuff until they can get the population of Earth down to 800, like it says in the agenda, UN document, 800 million. Or if it says on the, uh, on the Georgia Guidestones at 500 million, right. that's their plan. Let me ask you this, because I, I read this on the introduction, and many people have asked me, have you ever contacted this website? And nobody has, and I will. Deagle, D-E-A-G-E-L.com. If you go to this website, folks, and find the United States on the right, I believe, in any country, but you call for the United States, it says that 2017, we have 317 million, I believe the number one is, and the forecast for 2025 is 100 million. It also shows GDP in 2017, 29 or 19 trillion, I believe, and then, or 29 trillion, and then it believe is like one or 10. Let me just go there. Just keep talking, Augie, while I find this, because I think this is something that we need to discuss here. Why wow. would an intelligence gathering agency like Deagle, I'm looking here, uh, I think I've been to that website. I think that website dates back a couple of years uh, since I've seen it. And uh, I'm here, deagle.com. Go to the bottom right, other info, countries, and choose United States. And then we see, yep, 327 million in 2017, and then 100 million forecast 2025. And the GDP, 2017, 19 trillion, 2025. 
2.4 trillion. And I'm going to go somewhere here that I haven't been to. China. Let me see what China says. 2017, 1.4 billion. Forecast 2025, 1.4 billion. Nothing happens there. Could it hmm. be that between Russia and China, they get into a war with us? And I just cannot think any other way other than a military conflict causing this well, army. I think they um, see the thing is they don't want it. Well, there's a, there's a term for it that I, I'd rather not use because they don't want to destroy their own golden egg. They want to make sure the infrastructure is in order. So I don't think there's going to be a military uh, conflict because there is an unsigned agreement between both Russia and China and the United States that we will not destroy each other. And uh, the the words coming out of the White House is that uh, Putin and uh, you know the president is talking on the phone about every week and they laugh and they have fun together. So I think what is coming out of the White House and the uh, the world press is for outwards consumption only. If the United States is could be taken down to that kind of low number of inhabitants, I believe it would possibly come from either a um, newly created virus or an EM pulse. Because if an EM pulse shut down the whole United States, uh, people would be dying like flu, yeah. flu, I mean flies in two to three months. And that makes a lot of sense just because during wartime, our GDP might go up because of the war machine, just like it happened during World War II. Yes. But in this case, I'm looking, I'm trying to connect dots. I'm, I'm going to Russia now, for example. Population 2017, 142 million. It stays the same 2025. However, if you look at the GDP, it goes from 1.6 trillion to 4.3 trillion. Hey, Where I'm, are they getting those $3 trillion? Could it be that hey, is extracted I'm, from I'm the United States? I'm moving to Russia. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. And yeah. I don't mean to spread fear, folks, but these are websites that allegedly are gathering intelligence from various sources around the world. It yeah. would be a matter of contacting them to say, how are you coming to these conclusions? You know the big reason why Agenda 21 and the reduction of people on Earth to 800,000, you know why they actually are doing this? I, 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 I'm not going to make you answer, but I'm going to answer it myself. And that is that you can ask any futurist, any one of them, they will tell you about 2030, 2040, well over half to three quarters of all the jobs in the world will be done by AI. robots. Yep. When the world are they going to do with people? No need them anymore. So they are going to be considering people, as Kissinger called it, Useful useless eaters. eaters, useless eaters. Yep. But look at the, a lot of people are saying that shopping centers and retail stores are closing because of online shopping. And true, that's partially true. Yeah. But think about it. It's only 16% of all sales are online, 16%. In the next five years, I believe it's going to be 25%. But I'm already yeah. reading a report this morning stating that thousands of stores are closing next year. And then we're talking about AI, minimum wage going up. That's going to create more robotic robotics in, in many places. 
So the question is, what's going to happen to the millennials? Because I think this tsunami of AI and robots that are coming, I remember that you remember this in the 70s and 80s when the personal computer came on. My office had 75 people, small office, but then it went from 75, 80 to 15 people in a matter of one year. But all those people who left prepared themselves, re-educated themselves, and they found new jobs. But if robotics are completely replacing people, what kind of industry is going to surface to employ these unemployed? Well, uh, re-education, you know, that's the only way to do it. But and, uh, you were in Phoenix yesterday. Did you know that in Phoenix there is a McDonald's restaurant that yes. is totally robo robotic? Absolutely. There Absolutely. There's only one guy in there just to oversee the computer and the machines. Yes, and in a way, I would have to say a lot of this is because those people who continue pushing minimum wage, especially to the restaurant industry that has paper-thin margins, folks. When you raise it to $15 an hour, the first thing that people have to do is reduce costs. And you have to look at labor and you have to look at food costs. Those are the two biggies for the restaurant business. And where do people complain? I have a restaurant. I know. I have to raise my my uh, prices every so often because of this. And what was the biggest complaint? Oh my God, you raised this item 25 cents. People are very price sensitive. Yeah. So if it comes to a point where you can no longer raise your prices, whether it's in restaurant, whether it's in any other industry, you have to look at the other big expense on which, which is it? It's uh, payroll. And I'm very concerned about this generation coming out of college with college degrees and uh, student loans, and they're not going to be able to find the job that's going to be able to give, give them a normal life. There's hordes of people coming out of college working at, uh, college working at McDonald's. Yes. And uh, there's only so much margin in what you can raise the price before uh, you got to close the doors. That's right. So with people who are complaining about AI, but this is something that CEOs have to look into. And it's not that they're being inhumane. It's not the case. But if you're not going to be able to be self-sustaining and profitable to keep your doors open, all like yeah. government. You know, whenever I hear government created this job or that job, remove the word created. It's taxpayer funded. And yeah. I don't mean to get political here, Augie. I'm totally with you. So Agenda 21. And they keep changing the name, Agenda 21, Agenda 2030. Do you think these fires that occurred in California last year had anything to do with this? Oh, I am sure that just one small part of it. When, when, uh, for the ones that really don't know much about Agenda 21, let's just, let me mention a few things about it. <clears throat> it, um, the, it came out of the United Nations Earth Summit in Rio de Janeiro in 1992, where 178 nations, I believe, they adapted the 350-page document or the or the uh, the writing that later became that document. They were describing how to install a one-world militaristic government where you will have no rights, and that is actually they're using the word privilege, and that's all you have, where an unelected body of bureaucrats will be setting down rules for you to live by and micromanaging every facet of your life. 
go to the UN website and you can actually uh, download a copy of this document and if you have the guts go read it you're not gonna like what it says in it but you probably should so um, there's also a they are also following the, the guidelines of the International Conference on Population and Development. That was done in Cairo, Egypt in 1994, where 181 or two countries were participating. And they decided that the world population <clears throat> is out of control and that the ideal population for Earth should be about 800,000. And here's the sticker. They said, every effort must be done to reach that goal by 2021. Now they raised that to 2030. Every effort must be done to reach that goal. How far do we think every effort will go? Boy, that's a good question. It is. And think about this too. I heard this news the other day that million-dollar homes are the next for closer bubble, perhaps not immediately. But a lot of these millennials, they don't want big homes. There's this trend. They don't want, they want to live in the smallest space possible. They don't buy houses, they're renting. But million-dollar homes are the next foreclosure bubble, I'm told, because this new generation, again, doesn't want big homes. So if you have an entire neighborhood, Augie, of million-dollar homes that cannot sell and the banks don't want to lose money, what's the other way for them to collect money? And you know... Bankers, at least in my opinion, bankers are on top of the pyramid. What do you yep. use? Use exotic technology to create a fire and have insurance companies pay for it. The bank wins. Your opinion on this? Well, it. Uh, I don't know if we should even need a comment on that one. You pretty much said it. It's, it's that way. The bankers... I don't mean the tellers at the front desk. They don't know anything. Of course. I mean the ones in the back office and in the high rises in New York and Chicago and Atlanta and places like that. Those are the ones that set policy. And they stop at absolutely nothing to make profits. They will steal, cheat, plunder, and murder whatever they need to do in order to get that. One thing I don't understand, and maybe you're into some, so you may have experienced this, with the economy, as red hot as it is, as supposedly is, when you go to banks, and I'm going to name a few, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase, the big ones, if you go to their branches these days, and I go to several of them a few times a week, one thing I've noticed, you look around the branch, and you see one person, several offices completely empty, a couple of tellers, and if you want to talk to somebody, you have to make an appointment now to call before you even show up. It's almost as if the banks are preparing for something and they're keeping the branches. And some people may say, well, Mel, they're trying to automate. Everything's electronics. It's, it's the website. It's you. It's depositing your checks on your phone. And I can see that. But when you go to the branch, there's nobody there. Almost as if they know something's happening and they're trying to, to make it as simple as possible before the extrament hits the fan. Yeah, Mel, and uh, it's not just the big ones. I, I do banking with a small bank up north, and I tell you, whenever I'm in there, there's hardly anybody there, even right. in a small bank. So, um, yeah, this is across the board. 
of banking. Uh, a lot of them have started to do electronic banking, which I don't do because I don't trust it. But on the other hand, I think that... Uh, but yeah, it's even on the phone. Even in, when you call on the phone, before they would answer a couple of minutes, now, well, the wait is 30 minutes. So today's a busy day. We'll call you back. And they call you three hours later. Mm, yeah. What's happening with the banking industry? Well, I don't know. Locally here, uh, it's. Uh, I know that overseas, the larger banks, uh, Royal Bank of Scotland and many of that ilk, they are buying gold. Any gold they can get their hands on, even paying, paying a premium plus 2 to 3%, sometimes just to get the gold. I know because I've been dealing with this in the past. And uh, gold and... Uh, South America, they're hoarding silver. The reason they are doing that because we know that the, the official number of $21 trillion with the government debt in the United States can never be paid back. And right. there will be a day when that will all default. And that's going to create a lot of confusion. And the prices of gold is going to skyrocket. Well, that's an act of they war. They know that because they create it. But that's an act of war. To yeah. default in such a, an amount, the only way out of that is by conquer. By, by war. There's no other. I mean, look at Iraq. They had mm -hmm. how many tons of gold? Uh, Libya. A lot of the reasons why we killed Gaddafi was because of the gold dinar. They had tons of gold there. What yeah. happened to that? That was the first casualty of those two wars. What happened to those the two countries and their gold? And some people tell me that if you go to, what's the name of the place that we store our gold here uh, in the United States? Uh, Fort Knox. Yeah. If you go to Fort Knox, all you have there is tungsten. Who yes, has that gold? gold? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they tried to sell that to China. To the Chinese. Boy, the Chinese got pissed. <laughs> so uh, some people say that allegedly Nibiru, the, the, the yeah. Planet X, uh, call it whatever you want, but supposedly that they used gold as powder to protect their atmosphere. And that yeah. was the way, uh, why they needed the gold. Now, we use gold in a different way. It's probably the, the, the one thing that keep people who are greedy <clears throat> in, in, in their positions of power. Yeah. Yeah, gold can be used for uh, many things. And uh, that's why I wouldn't buy gold if I was going to do uh, any kind of security like that. I would buy silver because that will go up a lot more proportionally than gold will true because first of all also gold, uh, silver is an industrial metal also and uh, I had uh, a friend of mine that was on the from Hong Kong he was on the board of directors of HSBC he told me the plan some probably 12 13 years ago that uh, there will be an occasion where we will have the opportunity to raise the price of uh, gold to $30,000 an ounce and silver to $15,000 an ounce. And then we will devalue global currencies down to 10% of what it is today. And that way there will be enough value in gold and silver and other assets to cover the remaining 10% of global debt. So now we can have a global business currency. So that That's is the global reset. The global that makes a lot of sense. The global financial reset will be done that way. Something like that is kind of what I would think could happen. Do you see another time in the future, just like what happened in the 1930s with Roosevelt confiscating all gold? 
<clears throat> no, no. Uh, he did that once and got away with it. If they did that today, people are going to be throwing their shotguns in the back of the pickup truck and driving to Washington. But do uh, you really think people have as much gold as they used to? I think uh, a lot of the people out of the box actually do. I, I, I think people are, uh, they may not be hoarding much, but, you know, families can get at least a thousand, two thousand dollars worth of silver or gold and uh, hang on to it. Problem is that a lot of people have paper saying, yeah. oh, you have X amount of gold on paper. And you have all these, um, what's the word I want to use? The word, uh, the, the trillions of dollars, derivatives. Derivative. That is derivatives. People having, they think they have gold, they have a paper in their safe, but if the excrement hits the fan, that gold's not going to be able to be given to them, just like a dollar bill right now. If I go to the bank, when this happens, I'm not going to be able to get my money from the bank, even though they say that right now $250,000 is what they guarantee. Yeah. Now, if you're holding, uh, say this to the uh, listeners, if you're holding gold certificates, you got nothing because they have oversold gold many times of the total world supply. Same thing with silver is also oversold. So you're going to get nothing. Think about when you go to the airport sometimes and you hear at the gate, well, folks, it's an oversold flight. We need 15 volunteers. And you think, wait a second, the plane has 250 seats. How in the... Oh, because they sold 25 more seats because they expected people not to show up. This happens in every industry. Yeah. Now, when we come back, we're going to continue talking about Agenda 21 and aliens. But Augie also wrote a book, and I have it right here. And thank you for sending it to me. And thank you for the dedication. Spiritual Science, Higher Consciousness, Conscious Thinking, and How to Access the Universal Consciousness. We're going to discuss this when we come back to because a show without solutions is only spreading fear, and you know that's not my intention. I just want you to be aware of what's here and what's coming and what to do in order to mitigate any problems. That book is where I teach people how to use their mind in ways that they've never been taught how to do before, so you can do some really amazing things, and uh, it gets interesting in there. How can people buy the books, the DVDs, and learn more about your work, Augie? Well, uh, right now you could uh, you go to Amazon, you can get it there, bookstores you can get it, uh, if they don't have it they can order it, or you can go to my website at www.augie-nust.com and I have it on sale in there for uh, six bucks less than at uh, Amazon, so that might be something to think about, but otherwise uh, you can find it out there. Excellent, well folks. And the, the video, that uh, just Google uh, aliens and Agenda 21 and it'll show up. Wonderful, folks. Don't go anywhere. We have a lot more to discuss with Augie Nust, directly from Tucson. This is Mel Fabregas and you are listening to Veritas. See you in the member section. Thank you for listening to the first part of this very important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the members section or subscribe at VeritasRadio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, and other great products. Thank you. <laughs>